This is the Ask the Vet podcast series from Solar Power World. Welcome to the inaugural edition of Ask a Vet. I'm Kathy Zip, Managing Editor of Solar Power World, and I'm super excited to launch this new series since solar is such a, a young industry. Having been in the industry for six years myself, sometimes I feel like a veteran, but I've met a lot of others who have two, three, even six times the experience I have in solar. And so I really wanted to get to know those people and start a podcast as a place to kind of share their thoughts on the industry so we can all learn from their time in solar and just have some fun getting to know them as people as well. So today we'll do our very first interview, which will be with Brendan Nagel, COO of Borrego. With a decade of experience at Borrego, he is part of the company's 10-year club. So we're very excited to have you here with us, Brendan. Thanks for speaking with me. Thanks, Kathy. How are you today? I'm doing just fine. I'm a little under the weather, so hopefully I don't sound too uh, stuffed up, but I'll do my best. <laughs> so, Brandon, when I was looking for ideas for people to interview, I actually came across Brago Solar Veterans Club, and I was like, this is perfect. This is exactly what I'm looking for. So I think that's really cool that Brago wanted to honor those who have been with them for at least 10 years. So why do you think that this was an important thing for your company to recognize Brago is lucky in that we have a long-standing management team. We've all been together for a while. As you mentioned, I've been with the company and, and part of the executive team for 10 years. And it's not just the senior leadership team, but also various people within the organization who maybe started in the field or started as a residential salesperson years ago, but now hold a vice president or management role. We really wanted to recognize those people and bring bring us together in a veterans club to really just honor long-term commitment to the organization. Awesome. Well, I think it's a wonderful thing to do, especially if you have people that have been in the industry for so long and at the companies. So as COO of Borrego, what exactly does that mean for your job description? What are you doing in your job every day? The main part of my job at Borrego is to manage the construction activity and ultimately the uh, project execution for the projects that we build. Um, I have the P&L responsibility for almost the entire organization and ensure that our projects are built on time in a safe manner, making profit for the company and ultimately delivering what our customers are expecting. What was that P&L? Profit and loss. Okay. So that's a big responsibility. You know, I know you've been at Brego for 10 years, but how long have you been in the solar industry? I started about 15 years ago in California in response to the California Solar Incentive Program, which was paying rebates at $4.50 a watt. I really started out as a residential salesperson. Oh, that must have been an interesting experience. <laughs> yeah, it was a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I started in 2001, it was a very small industry and really maybe a little bit of a underserved industry, not very well known. But as I looked at the opportunity and I saw PG&E rates skyrocketing, I saw the state of California offering incentives for people to put solar on the roof, and I saw payback of somewhere between five and 10 years for a residential customer to me, it looked like there was an opportunity. As I started researching it a little bit more, what I found is that particularly in the Bay Area around San Francisco, there were a number of people who were very environmentally friendly, 
very well-to-do and, and had money they wanted to put towards environmental causes. And when they found out that they could put solar panels on their roof, sell power back to the utility at higher rates than they would then have to buy it at night, that they would get rebates from the state, and all the while they'd be producing clean energy as opposed to natural gas or coal-fired electricity, it really was something that people gravitated towards. It was actually, for, for lack of a better phrase, in certain communities, it was like taking candy from a baby. There were many people who were just, where do I sign? Sign me up. The cost is not, not as important to me as the concept of what we're doing here. The years from 2001 to 2004 were a, a time of rapid growth. Very exciting time for the industry. That's really interesting. I, I was expecting you to say it was really difficult to sell back then, but if it was the right target market, it's interesting that people saw the environmental reasons and, and were willing to pay to do better things for the environment. Yeah, keep, it, keep in mind that was the residential market where I think perhaps the payback and cost wasn't as much of a focus and the sales weren't as difficult. As time went on through that decade, you know, commercial and public projects became more common, costs came down, and of course there, especially in early 2001, 2002, it was more difficult to make those sales. But uh, you know, as the industry matured, costs came down, reliability improved, public perception of solar became better. That's where we really saw the, the, the growth of the commercial and utility scale market. All right, Brendan. So having such a long career in solar, 15 years, what do you see has changed in the industry? Sure. I think probably the two biggest areas of change have been in cost and reliability. We are literally selling systems these days for about one-eighth the cost that we were selling them when I started 15 years ago. That's tremendous. And it's, it's tremendous. It's really been able to make the technology more accessible and able to compete with traditional energy sources that much better. The other side of it, though, is that even with that rapid cost reduction, reliability and confidence in the technology has increased unbelievably. I remember when power purchase agreements were a brand new thing, a new crazy idea, getting banks to actually finance based on the revenue from kilowatt hour production from solar. This was a revolutionary concept. And now the reliability and bankability of the technology, the integrators such as Borrego Solar is so strong that really financing of solar systems is the dominant way that we, that we put our systems in. And so the, the reliability and bankability and the reliability of the kilowatt hour generation is probably the biggest change that I've seen allowing the technology to really reach the mainstream. Reliability is so talked about and it's really important, obviously. So it's, it's good to see that you've seen that change. So going back a little bit further, I saw that you went to Brown University. So what did you study there? What was your time like? I studied American civilization with a focus in environmental studies. It's a little bit of one of the catch-all majors. Brown has a very open curriculum, uh, sort of allowing the students to take a broad range of classes. So it allowed me to pursue some of the interests I had in science, but also allowed me to focus on the American culture. I would say that at Brown, as opposed to some of my friends and colleagues who maybe studied engineering, they learned a lot more hard skills in college. 
I think I learned some hard skills, such as how to write, communicate, present. But for the most part, what I believe I learned at Brown was really just how to communicate, how to interact, how to learn, and, and really kind of how to grow up a little bit. So how did you go from graduating at Brown to the, a residential solar sales rep? That's a funny story. I graduated from college and was looking for an appropriate career. I felt I'd probably be good in sales and looked for sales and marketing job that I thought would have some good career potential. I found a job in a management development program at a beverage distributor, wine and beer distributor, which was a really great prestigious program. And it appeared like a very good job for me. But about three or four months into it, I realized that peddling beer and wine was not going to be the career for me. It felt a little bit... You probably got some free... You got discounts, I'm sure. (laughs) There were some freebies, but at the same time, it didn't feel like I was giving a lot back to society. Mm -hmm. At times, it actually felt like the opposite. I knew it wasn't going to be for me. And uh, at that point, I moved to California and became a school teacher, sort of the other end of the extreme, realizing that I needed to do something that I felt good about. That I, However, there had maybe the opposite problem that it's very hard to make a living in the Bay Area on a school teacher's salary. What got me into solar was really looking for the combination of the two. I wanted something where I felt there could be a, a strong career perhaps a good financial return for myself, but also where I could be giving back to society. And when I took the job in solar sales, um, I was also evaluating a position where I would be a book salesman into educational facilities like schools. I'm very, very happy that I chose the solar industry. Yeah. And really, I mean, looking back the Brown, it kind of seems like what you studied, it really was perfect for what you do now, studying people and then studying the environment. I mean, that's a lot of what solar is, you know, trying to encourage people to go solar because there's so much education involved and then having that passion for the environment as well. Yeah, I don't think I knew it at the time, but there was a sense while at Brown University that a lot of people there were doing big, exciting, amazing things. And the, the, the idea that the way the world currently worked was not necessarily to be taken at face value, but there was an opportunity to change the way we do things, I think is, is definitely something I took from Brown that I've applied in the solar industry. So after being in the industry for 15 years, what is something that you really love about it? After being in the industry for 15 years, what, what I really love is the sense of accomplishment that I get from the work that we do. I really do believe that when my career is, is all over, uh, we will have changed the world. I really think that when when I started, solar, as I mentioned, was a bit of a cottage industry and solar energy was not the way that we produce our electricity. Fast forward now to 2017 and then perhaps fast forward another 20 years into the future and I really believe that solar energy, kilowatt hours generated from solar panels coming from the sun will be not necessarily the dominant, but one of the most significant methods of producing electricity. The way the grid interacts with central coal-fired power plants is very different than the way the grid interacts with distributed generation from solar panels. So I feel like I'm making an impact in a way that is very positive and feels like I I will leave a legacy. That's wonderful. I, I guess that's really what we all hope for our careers. And so it's a great feeling coming to work every day and having that outlook 
but I'm sure there's frustrations too. What's something that you really find challenging about the industry or your work? Probably one of the biggest frustrations is the peaks and valleys and the, the slugs of work that come through. Borrego has been very fortunate in that we're actually in our eighth year of profitable growth, but along the way there has been ups and downs, you know, quarters that are rough, times where it doesn't seem like it's going to be a year of profitable growth. At other times, it's the opposite. There'll be too many projects coming through. Maybe we don't have all the resources to give them as much attention as we'd like. And perhaps that means certain things are delayed or you know, people are working long, hard hours to try to deliver the same quality that we would in an environment where there was less work or a more sustainable amount of work. So the, the solar coaster, um, right. peaks and valleys, I think that's probably one of the frustrations. I also at times get frustrated that as far as we've come in 15 years, it doesn't feel like solar is a dominant technology in certain parts of the country or in certain states. Yeah. Of course, we're all familiar with the markets like California and Massachusetts, where there's been a significant focus from the state government on solar incentives and solar programs. But I really believe by the time this is all over, solar will be everywhere. And so at times, it's frustrating to look at other states and see just a small percentage of solar compared to what we're doing in some of the bigger states. Right, especially compared to what's possible with their resource and some of the companies that have established themselves in those states. Turning direction a little bit, I saw on your LinkedIn that you have a lot of recommendations, and many of them note that you're a good leader and good at managing and inspiring a team of people and actually, in that blog with the Borrego Solar Vet Club, you commented that you focused on empowering other employees to take initiative and to lead and implement their own improvements. And I know that there's a lot of other solar companies out there that are trying to inspire and empower their teams. So what is some advice that you can offer for getting a team excited about their work and about solar? I think a lot of that comes back to some of the standard management practices that would apply really almost anywhere, but really listening to my people. Although I, I often am in the role of the boss, I don't think of myself as the boss. I really like to listen to others' ideas, encourage them. We are still a very entrepreneurial company, and while we do have a number of very defined roles, there is some flexibility one of the things I've always tried to do is look for people's interests and strengths and then encourage those. If there are areas that maybe they're a little less interested, perhaps I can find some other resources to fill those requirements or do them myself. And in that way, I think employees get empowered because they, they feel like they can do what they want. We've also had a strong culture of promoting from within. And so really trying to understand employees' career paths, career goals, things that, that they want to accomplish. Again, it's really just listening to them and then trying to make some of that happen for them. All right, I got a little throwback for you. Tell me about Camp Dakota. Uh, I saw a tweet that you said that that's where you learned to lead. Yes, a lot of New Englanders and people from the Northeast grew up spending summers at summer camps. And Camp Dakota was the, the camp that my brother and I spent many summers at. I started there as camper and grew into the leadership development program and then became a counselor, also a division head during the girls camp. I worked at the kitchen and ultimately became crew lead in the kitchen. So I feel like there was this 
consistent theme in my life in the summers of always going back to summer camp, always going back to the same cast pond, coming back to the same people, singing many of the same songs. But with that as the backdrop, you know, I started as a camper. And by the time I left the camp, I was there for 12 years. I'd really kind of risen up through the ranks and was one of the leaders of the different divisions. It's a YMCA organization, which is very focused on leadership growth and development. And so I think a lot of the things that I've learned about how to lead other people, I really did learn at Camp Dakota. Um, And actually, it's a great question because I was just back there about five months ago for the centennial reunion, the 100-year celebration of Camp Dakota. And I brought my kids and we were out on the water and singing the songs and they had such an amazing time. It really brought back all the memories. That's wonderful to to have such fond memories. I mean, the way you were saying that you rose up through the ranks from camper to a leader at the camp really sounds like your journey in the solar industry too. I don't know if I made that connection as directly, but I, I think you're exactly right. They're very similar. I also saw that you once tweeted that Brago aspires to be a billion-dollar business while keeping our startup magic. So what did you mean by that? You're pulling out tweets. I'm that, making you uh, think. think of, <laughs> <laughs> exactly what was I thinking? I guess I'll dissect the two parts of it. You know, one of the things that I've always felt is that if we're going to change the world, we need to be financially influential. That's just the way it works in the United States and in, in the world these days. A few good ideas are not necessarily listened to as loudly as ideas that will make people money. So if we're going to be financially influential, certainly having the scale that, that you would have as a billion-dollar business allows you to be more financially influential than perhaps a smaller business. At the same time, one of the things that I think is really great about Borrego, as I mentioned earlier, we have a fairly consistent management team. We've all been together for a long time. And as a result, we've been able to build a company culture that mirrors of of many of the managers. And and I think people have a a esprit de corps, excitement about the industry, a youthful approach to problem solving. As we grow, I would like to be able to keep the entrepreneurial spirit that has allowed us to be successful during the burgeoning phase of the industry into the period where the industry matures and to be able to keep some of that excitement um, that, that comes along with startup mentality. But when you get to a larger company, I think that would be a really a hallmark of success for Borrego. Well, that was very well said considering I, I threw you that curveball there. <laughs> Do you have a family? I have a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a five-month-old. Oh, wow. Oh, well, congratulations. So what do they know about solar? Do you talk about solar with them? Yeah, my five-year-old is very knowledgeable about solar. She was really exposed to, to solar panels, probably in the jogging stroller when we'd go running. She'll point up solar panels. So we were always looking for solar panels on roofs. She, I think, first was exposed to solar panels just in our community. She's come into work a number of times, uh, sort of for fun, also for some of our bring your kids to work days. She definitely knows daddy builds solar panels. (laughs) And while she probably doesn't know all the the finer details, she's also familiar with coal-fired power plants, natural gas-fired power plants. And I I think she'll actually use the, the term traditional energy generation only repeating it because I've said it. Wow. I think she, yeah, she, she'll get the twinkle in her eye and she understands that, you know, we're trying to 
make the world a better place through clean energy. I think she really does understand that. I think that that's really neat because I I didn't grow up like that. I mean, I think I knew solar was energy from the sun, but that's about the extent that I was exposed to it. And I think what a great thing if this generation could just grow up with knowing solar is just another way to get power and power their homes. Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up. We've done a lot of projects on schools, particularly in California. We've got a very good public school business. And a lot of times those projects are tough. They involve tight summer timelines. You're often working on multiple different roofs, multiple different campuses to achieve the volume uh, that you might otherwise achieve in a big open field. As I visit those sites, I actually always make a point to say to my staff and to the management group at the schools that putting solar on schools is, is really my favorite application because not only does it do all the good that any solar project would do, but it exposes the children to the solar technology in a way where they will grow up thinking solar is normal. Yeah. They won't think it's alternative energy. They will think it is the standard type of energy that was on their roof when they were at their home or in their school. So it's one of the ways I always try to empower our employees to kind of get through tough summer sprints or, or tough school projects based on the sort of additive good associated with, with putting solar in a school rather than just a, another application. Right. Hopefully that'll be a normal thing. Like you said, it won't be seen as alternative, maybe not so far into the future. Well, Brandon, thank you so much for speaking with me. It's been really wonderful to get to know you. And thank you so much for all your insight into the industry. Thanks, Kathy. This has been another edition of Ask a Vet. Join us each month as I, editor Kathy Zip, bring you the unique perspectives and insights of those who have spent more than a decade in solar. Thanks for listening to the Solar Power World podcast. Join us online for more podcasts, videos, and great editorial content at solarpowerworldonline.com. And don't forget to share your thoughts on social media. Catch you next month.